light of infinite. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov explains that the first Pasuk verse in our Torah portion, Parashah, begins to outline the travels of Bnei Israel, of the children of Israel, that they experienced because of sinning with other gods. Idolatry leads to exile, but at the same time, when we travel, we have the opportunity to rectify a blemished faith. By elevating fears to the fear-awe of Hashem alone, we could vanquish all other fears. As we read, these are the travels of the Jewish people who went out of the land of Egypt according to their legions, under the leadership of Moshe and Aharon. Rab Natan of teaches that wherever Bnei Israel traveled in the desert, they subdued the klipah, the forces of evil, and transformed these spaces and places from a spiritual wasteland into an oasis of Torah. What began as a manifestation of something bad became a rectification into something sanctified and sealed as an important lesson in the Torah. If we look at the order of the wordings of this pasuk, of this verse, it reads, Moshe wrote down their exiles and travels according to God's will. These are the travels in their exiles. We see the first verse mentions exile, then travel, because B'nai Israel sins caused exile and the necessity to travel. Then the verse flips the order, beginning with travel, followed by exile, alluding to their repentance, which elevates their travels and rectified their exile. We read in this parasha, in this Torah portion of Maaseh, in the steeps of Moab at the Jordan near Jericho, Hashem spoke to Moshe saying, speak to the Israelite people and say to them, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, you shall dispossess all the inhabitants of the land. You shall destroy all their figured objects. You shall destroy all their molten images and you shall demolish all their cult places. And you shall take possession of the land and settle in it for I have assigned the land to you to possess. Our entire journey, both Prati, personal, and Klali, general as a nation, is to reach our promised land, here referred to as Canaan, but eternally as Israel. It's our path toward light, our clinging to love and living in alignment with both. But it's the struggle that shows the rewards that will be reaped. Hashem is speaking to Moshe on a Sod level. The fourth level of understanding any Pasuk verse in the Torah is Sod, which means secret. These psukim, these verses, are telling us that the Israelites, in order to reach their promised land, need to rid themselves of all that opposes holiness. This rival force is called the Sitra Achra, which internally fights to keep us away from the promised land, and means the other side. It plays out differently in all of us. For some, it's this intense anxiety. For others, it's fear that hinders progress, crippling doubt or lack of clarity, keeping blessings at bay. The Lubavitcher Rebbe articulated our struggle perfectly. The source of all illness is the lovesickness of the soul. She yearns to return to her beloved above, and so is repulsed by the human form, her prison of pain. Two things then must be repaired, and body and soul will be healed. The human body must open itself up to become a holy temple for the infinite God who desires for its dwelling, who desires it for his dwelling. The soul must learn to discover the infinite God from within this human form, the place where he most desires to dwell. In Hasidut, all ideologies and visions are part of the Ein Sof, the light of the infinite. They are internal and embedded deep in our souls. Our task is to fan the sparks to the point that a flame is linked to the fire above. The Baal Shem Tov teaches that there is both light and darkness in all creation, including humankind. This is seen in each of our various attributes and characteristics pulling either from the side that is connected to illuminated holiness or to the Sitra Achra. We see this in romantic love connections, which can be rooted in light or dark, trauma or healing, while supernal love is from the light source itself. 
The way to elevate earthbound love is realizing that the characteristic of it is rooted in holiness with its essence in the in-self. And it's just that it fell into the klipot, the negative forces of the universe, which tries to convert light into darkness. That realization can motivate us to cling to the source in order to connect what's become natural to what can be supernatural or supernal love that is pure. The pasuk, the verse that we read from our parasha, is teaching us how to align with purity by dispossessing all of its inhabitants of the land. The sitra akra throughout our body and minds that creep in, such as thoughts and urges that we need to overcome at all times. We need to destroy these images that creep in and try to inhabit our space and distance ourselves and eliminate the places and spaces of these elements. It's then that we can take possession of the land and settle in it, as it already awaits. Hashem has already assigned the land to you to possess. The ten spherot channel the divine creation and parallel the ten spherot in each of us and the basic channels of each personality and power within that. The sphere of Yusod is in each of us and it's the urge to love and is linked to the desire to, to cling to the Ein Sof, each according to the vessel that the person works on, and is a part of the upper divine characteristics. To dive deeper into these ideas, you can read in my book the key Kabbalistic concepts chapter. As King Solomon writes in Kohelet, everything was created one opposite the other, in perfect equilibrium, in order for us to exist in free choice, where in this world, the positive and negative forces are balanced. This was the price for eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Even in the tense spherot of light and holiness, there exists the opposite, fueled by the force of the other side, the sitra akra. Just as the entire dynamic of the holy side of the universe has its counterpart in the sitra akra, so too do the tense spherot of holiness and ten corresponding faculties of the nefesh elokit, the godly soul, each have their unholy counterpart, referred to in the Zohar as the ten crowns of impurity. In Kabbalah, we learn that between the levels of purity and holiness and the levels of impurity lie the klipat noga. The klipat noga translates literally as shining translucent shells or peels, and they contain visions of both good and evil, making it harder for us to get to the pure essence that is underneath and behind all of creation. Noga, the translucence, the ability to see light, even if it's somewhat obscured, represents freedom of choice, our ability to take life in either direction. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya that it is this finely balanced tension between potential good, which can also be misused, and potential evil, which can also be sublimated. The ten sfirot, powers within the nefesh abayamit, the animal soul, are referred to in the Zohar as the ten crowns of purity. While a crown is not attached to us, it influences our thoughts. When we indulge in the crown of impurity, we are separating from our true essence and attaching ourselves to this outside influence powered by the sitra which is essentially anything that is not serving our awakening, but so to speak, keeping us asleep. It is these elements that keep us from possessing our land. Moshe is tasked with teaching us how to subdue the other side, to possess what has been promised to us from the Creator. It is our task to unify all of our disparate parts to serve Hashem with both our Yitzhar Tov, good inclination, and Yitzhar Hara, bad inclination, to make our animal soul, which desires to gratify physicality, subservient to our godly soul, which only desires to transcend the limitations of the finite and unify with the infinite. In high school, I used to drive my Nissan around town, blasting the New York rapper Nas on the stereo. One of his most famous lines is, I never sleep, because sleep is the cousin of death. I think if there were ever to be a Jewish remix of Nas's song, New York State of Mind, it would be titled, Jew York State of Mochin, 
and the famous line would be replaced as, I never doubt, because doubt is the cousin of death. We need to focus on faithfulness and remove doubt because as with everything, there's a balance. Sleep brings dreams, and in Talmud Brachot, it teaches that a dream is 1 60th of prophecy. And in the Midrash in Breshit Rabbah, it says the buds of prophecy are dreams. As the Zohar teaches in regards to dreams, there are six levels, each one encompassing ten sublevels between Netzach, eternity, and Ratzon, will. But the flip side of sleep and dreams is the one sixtieth of death, and the flip side of faith is doubt, which begins a vicious cycle of anxiety and brings us further from faith and peace. Many have been taught and can certainly feel that Shabbat is one sixtieth of the world to come. That's why the world to come is referred to as Kulo Shabbat, a time that is fully Shabbat. When we keep Shabbat fully, when we pause on interfering with creation and meditating on creation itself, we can lessen our anxiety. We can tap into oneness. We can doubt less because we can feel and be mindful of the, the source of creation is in charge. We can only push ourselves to a point and then let fate free us from our worries. Shabbat is a time in space that we could feel unbound by both time and space because we are fully connected to the infinite. One sixtieth of infinity to be exact. I thought I'd end this with a poem by Rav Cook. Expanses, expanses, expanses my soul craves. Do not confine me in any cage, neither material nor spiritual. My soul soars through the heavens. Walls of the heart will not contain it, nor will walls of deeds, morals, logic, or propriety. Above all these, my soul soars and flies. Above all these can be named, above all delight, pleasantness, and beauty, above all that is exalted and noble, I am lovesick. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.